Oh my scared. god, chickens can't fly, so how can swans? Yeah! Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creative Town Podcast, brought to you by us over at ADZHorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is Jake. You're not my daughter! <laughs> and sitting next to Jake is someone else who had a fantasy wet dream last night. It's Mark. Hello. For those of you unfamiliar with our Cracker Jack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. Uh, and this week, we watched a Jack pick in 2010's Black Swan. Uh, and we will dive all the way into that real soon. I don't think it's the black swan. Jake is gesturing. It's helpful on an audio medium. I truly, I'm, I don't know. I was trying to do that just for you. You're the one who always gives me shit about that. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, and when we dive into it, we're going to spoil the absolute nonsense out of it. So fair warning it on black that. Swan. Yeah, it's black swan. <laughs> Fucking told you, Jack. Oh my God. <laughs> this is good. This is great. And hey, if you like what we do and want to support the show, based on that intro, it's doubtful. But if you do, you can head over to patreon.com slash A to Z horror. That's A-T-O-Z horror. Support the show at your level of choosing. Vote on who loses beers for fears and what movies they have to watch. Get some other cool benefits at the other tiers. But if you can't swing that right now, just want to hang out here, that's cool. We just appreciate you being here with us now. But for now, it's time to do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. Hey, Mark. Hello. What are your beers for these fears? I got a whole color thing going on this week. Oh, Billy. This movie is, I mean, it's about I'm dance. eating a black and white cookie. <clears throat> this, yeah. Well, actually, put a pin in that one. Uh, <laughs> this movie is all about colors. I mean, it's all about dance, really, but like the, one of the most fantastic things that this movie does is the use of like light and dark and color, particularly in wardrobes or whatever. So I got, I got three things coming your way. Oh, I got, boy. I got an Alaskan white. This is their wit ale. Uh, that's where I'm starting, and then I'm gonna and I'm gonna go rosé for days. Uh, this is an Oscar Blues rosé beer. It's pink, and then I actually couldn't find a black one, so I'm drinking a Modelo Negra, the <laughs> black. Pretty good. Um, and then Negra for Modelo. the first time ever, I'm bringing you something new. I got some snacks for these attacks. Oh boy, I'm having some pirouette cookies. <laughs> so wow, I, my count. stupid cookie joke was actually shockingly correct. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but mine was that, more so that doesn't count. <laughs> Note that that does not count. Does not count. Well, yeah. I make the polls, so I mean. Yeah, no, that doesn't count. If I see it, I'm fucking gonna run rickshaw or whatever that you do. Yep, run rickshaw. <laughs> I don't know. I'm man. gonna buy a rickshaw cart and start using it to make money. That'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, there's one of those in town now. Do you want to go next or want to go last? I'm gonna, I don't care. What do you want me to do? I want you to go next. You tell me. Okay, I'll go next. Jake, what um, are your beers for these fears? I'm going with one this week. Okay. We've been trying to get back to that. We made a pact, and then Mark just blew it off the fucking track you like sure an did. asshole. I'm drinking an Incasi beer. This is, I've never had this one. It's their attempt at a hazy IPA called Hazy Domination. So this movie is basically about Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman's descent into a complete haze uh, because she is totally obsessed with being perfect or dominating what it is that she does. <laughs> so it felt like a good pick, and I've never had this, so I'm going to crack right into it. Uh, Fair enough. Know. Fair enough. I've got one beer for these fears, and I've also got a spirit for these spirits. Nice. Uh, I'm looking at that one. Yeah, I want to yeah. taste that. I yeah, yeah, I got a little glass right here. So first I'm drinking a Fort George City of Dreams Pale Ale 
Because uh, Natalie Portman's living in a city of dreams. They cause her to do all sorts of crazy things. Some New York City? Some of them are daymares, some of them are nightmares. Yeah, the city of dreams. The Is city of brotherly it? dreams. That's what everybody calls yep, it. New yep, York City. Yep, the city of broad dreams. The city of broad dreams. Yep, exactly. Uh, but beyond that, the main thing I'm drinking this week is a Black Feather American Straight Bourbon Whiskey. <laughs> I don't know. Remember the last time good, the main good. thing you were drinking was whiskey? Uh, it was like episode two. The, but the Blair Witch Project? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. How'd that go? Well, this isn't McNaughton's, so hopefully this will go better. Yeah, we'll see. There's a delicious sipping bourbon, but Black Feather, because that's what this movie's about. Her growing back There's black, black feathers. feathers. Sure, it's a good pick. After the Blair Witch Where? episode, I fell asleep Oof. in my backyard. Yep. I remember being told this it by was... your lovely wife. <laughs> yeah, she, she Apparently it was my fault. It was all my fault. It was. You egged me on. I egged both of you on. It worked out tremendously for me. Mm-hmm. Now, Jake, I don't want to shoot this with you. This is a sipping. We're not sipping shooting whiskey. this. Where is this out of? It's straight bourbon whiskey, so Kentucky. Yeah, well, everybody makes bourbon now that's not that. You can't. No, you legally no, can't. No, you legally can't, but it still says bourbon. No, it doesn't. It yeah, can't. It does. It does. That's a it lie. Does. Find me one. I will. Where Tune is it next of? week? Where in Kentucky? Oh, shit, Louisiana. Oh, yeah, huh? I'm totally kidding. <laughs> hmm. Sure you were. Black Feather Whiskey. That's bottled. It just says brewed in Kentucky, bottled in Texas. How do they ship it? That's interesting. Probably on a truck. Like one of those big milk jug trucks? Yeah, it's a milk truck. What are you talking about? They put it in a box and they put it on a truck. But they haven't bottled it yet. I bet they, they just mix- put the barrels. They just put the barrels in the truck. I bet Doi. they mix oh, it yeah. with milk, and then there's like a milk and whiskey separation process on the back end. That seems the most efficient way to do it. Yeah. Stop talking about milk, dude. It's too much. <laughs> I just had a glass of milk. I got to talk about milk. Jesus I got milk fuck. Me. Dude. But hey, drinking whiskey and beer and watching the Black Swan isn't the only thing we did over the course of the last week. We might have also experienced some other shit in the horror world, <laughs> including paying up on lost beers for fears. So let's cue that sound effect and talk about what's been rocking our horror world. Lost Beers for Fears edition. Mmm. Beer. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. What an idiot! You suck, you jackass! All right, so I think, Mark, maybe uh, you're the only one who's got anything. You're not the only one who has anything to pay up on, but you're the only one who's actually watched some stuff. Who's actually paid Wait, up. Is that true? That is correct. Well, uh, yeah, I actually think I am the only one who has anything to watch anymore. You guys have been remarkably efficient with crossing your uh, titles off a list. I took my sweet-ass time to get back to Frozen. Um, I think I was, I was the only one who had seen this before, right? Jake, you hadn't seen it. Jack, you hadn't seen it. That's correct. correct. Yeah, so I had seen it before. I wasn't really particularly enthused about going back and watching it, and I was, I think wrong to some extent i enjoyed it more than i was expecting to enjoy it on a second viewing that said it is still just like a 20 minute long skiing movie where friends argue followed by an hour of human misery (laughs) yeah the the start's a little rough and then the second is also it's not even a fun skiing movie because what a fucking asshole the main guy is well and also because the the main girl can't ski or snowboard at all so they're just like on the bunny hill or whatever you just Jack just wants it to be Johnny Tsunami, but then with a twist. I mean, I want it to be Brink. Let's be clear. Brink's not about skiing, though. You don't either is Johnny Tsunami. Johnny Tsunami is absolutely about skiing. Well, I mean, it's he, about every, skiing. There's pressure because he's like, in a, we ski in this town. Blech. You understand that the climax of that movie is a downhill race between a snowboarder and a skier. How is that not about skiing? 
totally I the best. I kind of forgot that. I kind of thought it was about surfing. Oh my god! No. Well, he comes. He's, from, he's a sur- yeah, I know. He's a, a surfer. That I, he picks up snowboarding quickly. Taking, We're not I'm here to talk your about Disney it. card. This you no longer you can you talk about. I'll Disney live. Channel I'll live with that. Movies. Yeah, that's terrible. I'll live dude. with Who that. Cares? Uh, the other one, I have two to talk about. Uh, Friday the 13th, part three. Weird. Weird choice. Well, so I wanted to kick off my New Year's resolution of watching more horror franchises by allowing our uh, Patreon patrons to pick the first franchise I dive into. Um, I don't think I've seen all of Friday the 13th, and I'm trying to remember if I'd actually seen part three before or not. I don't think I have. I My, my exposure to the Friday the 13th franchise is basically a random sampling uh so i know that i'd i know i've seen like one and two and obviously jason x and the remake we already reviewed but outside of that i this is basically going to be a shit show of me discovering whether or not i have seen the movie or not <laughs> nice fun. That's okay fun. is uh, this why we had that instagram post about which friday the 13th movie is best or question in in the chat i can't remember where it was uh that was in response to an instagram poll i think uh okay yeah i see uh jack for that i believe you actually said that part three was your favorite no part two baghead bag oh baghead okay he did yeah, say bag, that part I two is good part three I is remember. weird <laughs> it's where the movie <laughs> it's where the franchise really starts to get goofy uh the intro credits with these crazy like video effects over one of the best songs I've ever heard for intro credits, followed by what is essentially an after-school PSA, but where everyone gets murdered. Do you care to say what song that is? Oh, I mean, it's just like an instrumental. I don't know what the name of it was. It's just like, the, oh, it's probably called The Theme from Friday the 13th Part 3. Sure. But it slaps. Sure, sure. It's a it's a weird one. It is a harsh departure from the for other soundscapes from the Friday of the Thirteenth universe. <laughs> I'm sure Jack will throw it in right here. It's all good. Oh, cool! I like it when you just tell me to do things later. That's <laughs> delegation, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the the weird thing is how much this felt like a an after school PSA. There's like body shaming and bullying. And one what of the guys can't act- go skinny dipping because he's too fat and he's making a joke. And then there's like a don't cry wolf type thing. There's a Mark, jug. I- there's a juggling competition. <laughs> I want you to know I'm interested in what you're saying. But Jake is 100 percent befuddled at the idea of an after school special. Doesn't know what it is. And can't after move past school it. PSA. I've never heard that term. Huh. An after school special. Uh, no, no, neither. That's neither. a very common thing. What is it? It's what like happens? it's on TV and it's like a really hokey video about why it's bad to do drugs or have sex or whatever. Doesn't sound very special to me. Jesus Christ. Hey-o. You see what I'm talking Mark, about? Mark, overall, do you like it or not? I, I enjoyed it, but go in knowing that it is goofy. Like this is where it starts to tip away from serious slasher. I mean, part two had its moments as well, but this is where it starts to tip fully into we're just having fun and you're kind of just supposed to laugh at this. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Okay. Time to cue Scatman? Yep. Nice. Scatman's world. All right, boys, what else has been rocking our regular horror worlds? Not Lost Beers for Fears. Jake, you tell me. Ooh, me go first? Yep. Well, uh, we spent a lot of time not watching horror movies in the last week, I can tell you that. Yeah, the three of us and a couple other people did visit a shitload of breweries in Seattle. 20 of them. Ooh. That was a fun weekend. It was a lot. I mean, for the record, I have four other movies I can talk about, so... Well, you can do that. I uh, know I have one other movie. Um, I chose to dive into one that, in retrospect, I'm not sure why I chose it in the state that I was in, but uh, whatever happens, happens, right? I watched The Nightingale, which is on Hulu now. 
Now, Jack's okay. looking a little confused. The Nightingale is Jennifer Kent, who did the Babadook. It's her follow-up to that. Oh, okay. Came out last this year. is that sort of turn-of-the-century period piece about a girl Eight. who's a slave? Something like that? I, I can tell you all about it because I watched it. Okay. Uh, it's Yeah, it's 1800s piece. Uh, it's in Tasmania. It's about British colonialism, and you have an Irish woman and her family who live in Tasmania, and uh, this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer. It happens at the start of the movie. She's brutally raped multiple times. Her husband and her baby are killed, and then it's a revenge story. Um, woof. Heavy watch. <laughs> Very heavy watch. No shit. Uh, extraordinarily violent. Both of those things you probably could have gleaned from the trailer. Uh, totally. Uh, there's there's nothing to pull you out of the tailspin that this movie sends you into initially. Typically, what you see with a rape revenge movie is the kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, release that you get from exacting revenge. There is a catharsis and there. This, yeah. yeah, and this, thank you, catharsis. This takes that, and it it very intelligently, I think, turns it on its head to kind of do more of the traditional drama. There is nothing to be, like, nothing actually comes from the act of revenge. Jesus. Like, you don't get anything out of that. And, like, you add that to the part of the story that is also alluded to in the trailer where she meets up with an aboriginal person, his name's Billy, and their journey together, that's also a hell of a thing. Because I would say that, like, Billy's is more tragic than her story in this movie. So it's really just tragedy layered upon tragedy. Um, what you get from Kent in The Babadook is still here. There's a lot. You can tell now that I have a sampling of two movies of hers that she just loves the old like German expressionism style. There's a lot of nightmare sequences in this movie that are fantastic to watch. And those are quite honestly like really the only scary parts of the movie. Outside of that, the quote-unquote horror comes from the violence and kind of the rape revenge story that you see in a lot of horror movies. Fantastic movie. Uh, I'm never touching it again with a 10 foot pole. Okay. Um, really hard to watch. And also like, I kind of like the catharsis element of revenge. Like sometimes, you know, you get all yeah, angry. Absolutely. You just want to fucking yeah. kill somebody, man. You know, you don't get Ooh, that here at nice. all. You don't get it here. <laughs> you said you watched it on Hulu. It's on Hulu now. Nice. Yeah. You can okay. check it out. Cool. Did you download it and it. watch it on an airplane? No, not an airplane movie. Heavens, that might be the worst airplane movie for many reasons. <laughs> worse All right, than nice. The Terrifier or The Love Witch? Uh, definitely worse than Love Witch. Love Witch is just too weird. <laughs> All right, I got a couple of things to talk about. One, I'll just repeat The Outsider. I'm gonna, it's, it's on week to week, so I'm probably just going to be talking about it every week. My wife and I are on that weekly watching schedule. Remains just great. Wait until I've finished the series and then talk about it, but cool. Okay, I can talk about it 12 weeks from now. That'll be fun. Yeah. It's, it, it remains great. Uh, I will say episode three is the introduction of the Holly Gibney character who exists in multiple Stephen King works and rules, and she is portrayed awesomely in this series, so that's even another reason to keep watching it. It's on HBO. It's fantastic. You should check it out. As for movies, I watched a little flick. I think we talked about it in HRR for maybe October of 2019 uh, called Sweetheart. Aha, I'm going to jump on this one, too. I also Island Monsters. That. Yeah, Island Monsters. Boys, I loved this movie. This movie's a banger. Seems like a summer movie. I think no. It's what? fucking I mean, dude, this, yeah, but this movie's also. 70 like 70% silence. There's yeah, but no, no. almost no dialogue. This is not a like summer movie. It's it's just silence. Island I monsters. mean, it is warm. They're on a tro tropical island. You could watch this in July and it would be fine, but I you don't lose all that much. 
It's like watch like you can watch Jaws whenever the fuck you want. Yeah, it's probably best if you watch it in yeah, July. But it's, Same here. It's not like what Jake meant by like a summer movie, like dumb and fun and like the ruins or something. You know oh, what yeah. I mean. It's not the dumb fun side of things, but it is a no, summer Mark, like Mark. It, it is a summer setting. Mark might have had what I thought. He yeah. absolutely didn't, because you don't know what you thought. He might have. I know what I thought. No, you absolutely didn't. You know what, know. Jake? I'm actually not certain that you do know what you thought. <laughs> I do. Do you know how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? The world will never know. Exactly. No, three. Yeah. No. One, a two, a three. Okay. I'm, I'm and then the narrator it. comes back in and says, the world will never know. Because well, he's, he's an unreliable narrator. He's an un- that bullshit that's the whole owl. Point. No, that's the whole it's point an unreliable owl. commercials, Jack. It's an unreliable narrator. Be kept in check by a reliable narrator. It's a very important lesson that kids must learn that you just can't trust the narrator. And, and owls. owls. Shifty-eyed motherfuckers. They turn their heads <laughs> around. You should already know this. Anyway. This is a capital M monster movie. This does the full reveal from like the first time you catch a glimpse of the monster. It's like With behind bushes and out of focus and just its legs to yep. then like the slow, yep. slow, slow yep. reveal until yep. a full daytime shot of the monster. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but I was sh- the, the lead performance. I don't know that actress's name. I think mm-hmm. she was in Flatliners. She's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, in that <laughs> classic slapper. I've never, I've never seen her website because I've never seen her in anything else, but I saw her in Flatliners, I think. Kiersey uh, Clemens is her name. Yes, thank you. She's, She's good. fucking fantastic. And I think this would have cracked my top three movies of 2019 if I'd seen it in 2019. You can't play that game, though. Yeah, I'm not going to, but it's. I love this movie. It's on Netflix. Fucking watch this sh- thing. It's like 82, 88 minutes long, something like that. 82 minutes long. I 100% cool. agree on the recommendation. It wouldn't have cracked my top three, but it would have been up there. Uh, yeah, solid it's, movie. It's also refreshing how just awesome at survival she is. She's not like superhumanly good at it but she's not an idiot and just does smart things immediately and works hard yeah, this is great. one this is one that my mom texted me about like a few weeks back and she was like oh you gotta see this shit your mom's like, right it's okay. a wise oh, woman well, well they watch a lot of horror man yeah. Part of the, yeah part of the fun of this movie is that also part of the time is kind of just cast away yeah oh you get those like moments of pure joy when she succeeds she's like yes yes like looking around <laughs> it's exactly. great it's go fucking great That's a, go see sweetheart i I still, when we talked about it, I talked. I don't know why it's called Sweetheart. I kind of nailed the reason it's called Sweetheart. Not exactly, but it's a dumb reason it's called Sweetheart. I feel it. It really has the vibe of a movie that they couldn't secure the rights to the title they wanted originally, and they were like, "What are we gonna call we it? We gotta throw an extra line in here to call it this Sweetheart." Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark. That's all I got. What do you got? So I have. I had two bangers to mention. One of them was going to be Sweetheart. I was really thrilled to talk to you about that, but you know what? I guess. Can't always be the first one in line. Um, the other one that I saw, very similar, island-themed horror. I watched The Lighthouse. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. For the record. Willem Dafoe. Not even remotely similar except for the island setting. Uh, and even then, it's like northern New England instead of a tropical island. Um, so not I got this movie. one on Blu-ray in the mail because I kind of felt like I needed to... I don't know. This movie's like one of those ones that's like about film, man. Yeah, it's an art house movie for sure. Yeah, they shot this with like special turn of the century cameras and shit and used old ass film. And apparently they had to fucking like light everything at a bazillion lumens. So even though the shots are dark, like the actors are getting fucking blinded by whatever kerosene Blinded lamps. by the light. Oh, yeah. <laughs> revved up like a douche into the runner of the night or whatever. Deuce, but no, sure. du- douching. <laughs> Go douching. Good. <laughs> Uh, I think the the other weird thing about it is it's shot in like it's I thought 
I thought it was an aggressive four by three. It's not four by three. It's a one by one. It's like a one point oh nine by one or some crazy number. So it is love it. almost a perfect square sitting on your TV screen. But not quite a perfect square. That's infuriating. Yeah. Well, don't watch this. Why movie am then. I struggling? Robert Eggers, right? What? Robert Eggers did this. Is that correct? yeah? He was I'm the director. Blanking. Yeah, okay. I yeah. mean, the Vavich. This, yeah, this dude loves film. He's gonna make some weird shit. I'm sure this isn't the last weird thing we will have seen from him. Certainly, he like. Apparently, he also likes period pieces. That's his thing. I, my understanding is he did this. He had this kind of concept prior to the witch being made. So it it came first, and then the witch was made first. If that makes any sense. He one no, thing. He say re- that. What? Say that again. The listener is gonna be agitated, but you have to say it again. Jesus Christ. The Witch was the first movie to be made, but The Lighthouse preceded The Witch as far as concept and script. Sure. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, in any case, this is about two men who are on a lighthouse island who have to like maintain it and do their lighthouse things. Um, a storm rolls in, and they're isolated there, and then madness and craziness ensues. I don't want... We're not going to get too much further into it than that, and you probably already know what's going on with The Lighthouse before... Um, I spoil anything. I'm not going to. But you you basically have your two leads of Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Dafoe turns in a predictably good performance. That dude's stellar in everything he does, and he continues to be pretty epic here. Side note, though, I was unaware of Robert Pattinson's acting chops. That dude can fucking act the scene. Holy shit. He's fucking great, man. Yeah, did you see him in Harry Potter, dude? He was fucking awesome. Was he in Harry Potter? Yeah, yeah he's Cedric he played Diggory. Harry, did he play Harry Potter? He played Cedric <laughs> Diggory, dude. I don't know who <laughs> he that played is. Harry Potter? No. Oh, he, he's a British boy. He played you like jackass. the first he played like the first student to actually get straight up murdered in oh. the series. Yeah. It got to dark. The series got dark. Should I revisit the last few books? It got Harry dark Potter? like halfway through, dude. I think I gave up before then. Oh. Uh, I don't remember someone it gets getting murdered. Pretty, it gets pretty dark, and then the ep- the epilogue is god awful. Just skip that. Okay. Well, I probably won't so I'll probably skip all of it. That's fine. Yeah. If you're not missing. No, nah, I mean, I don't hear your part is good. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good side note. Uh, <laughs> so The Lighthouse is a movie that is very well put together and conceived and shot. It's beautiful. Exceptional performances from the two leading men. But when you come back to it, you're also just watching two dudes argue and go crazy at each other for like two hours. So yeah. you're not going to have any fun. I'll tell you that right now. Sure. Uh, if you're wanting to take that dive and like watch some tour de force shit, this movie was nominated for an Academy Award, I think, in cinematography. So if that floats your boat, go for it. It was like it was a it was a good movie and enjoyable in like the intellectual sense, but it's not one that I'll be like excited if we pick six months from now to revisit because it's pretty boring. I'm now assuredly doing it. <laughs> yep, I know. I sealed my fate. I'll probably oh, just not God. watch it and try and I'll go back to my the four lines of notes that I wrote for this and call it good. I am very excited. Don't do that. That's cheating. I am very excited. I've wanted to see this one for quite a while. It was like my biggest. Uh, I was most remorseful to have not gone and seen it of all the movies. Last it, year. It was, it's a little too cinema-y for my taste. Just like on the, it was playing at the flicks. I know. God so, damn it. There you go. Yeah. Although that's and where the, I saw yeah. the Little Women and that the Little great. Women <laughs> every time. <laughs> Fine. Fuck the little women. Mark, you got anything else? I do, but uh, let me just get this one out of the way. So as you guys alluded to, we took a little bit of a trip last weekend. I watched something on the airplane. Uh, This is horror-ish, so I'll blow by it pretty fast. But I watched them that that follow. 
Does this ring any bells? I've never heard Negative of this. Negative bells. You absolutely rang. have both heard of this. It was in our HRR from however many months ago. It's got a pretty good cast. Uh, it's got Walton Goggins in it as like sort of the main antagonist. I love Walton Goggins. Okay, Jim Gaffigan me- in a role that is fully unrecognizable to me. G- give me um, the synopsis. And I, I mean a number of other. I mean honestly, the strength of the film is the is the leading actresses. Unfortunately, I just don't have any of their names memorized. They're all very sort of recognizable, but they're all kind of. I've seen that person before, but I can't place it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this Jack is the movie about the cult in Appalachia. Um, yeah. And the trailer we had kind of didn't really give much away about what it was about. Uh, essentially, it's about a young woman growing up in a cult, and the cult is led by Walton Goggins. They like snakes. To, yeah, it appears to be either Olivia Coleman, Caitlin Dever, or Alice Englert. <laughs> well, I mean, all three have pretty solid roles, so... Um, like I said, horror-ish, but it'll get the aphidiophobes going. There's plenty of snakes. There's a lot of snake-related plot. They throw in a few scenes of spiders for some reason, so that's good, too. Fuck that. And, Jake, also, I know cults get under your skin, too, so yeah, there's plenty of, of cult content here as well. Uh, yuck. Cult violence or just cult? Just cult. Okay, just cults being cults. Cult violence is what gets to me. That's a weird thing. Mark, you got anything else? Or should we go to the feature presentation? Let's go to the feature presentation. Over at ADCHorror.com this week, we watched 2010's Black Swan, which was a Jack pick, and more accurately was a Jack's lovely wife pick. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife Mm -hmm. Hannah loves this movie. I think it's her favorite horror movie, if she considers it horror. And uh, so I picked this, had to get it on the list. Um, and this felt like the right time to do it. I'm assuming both of you guys had seen this before. Yes. Nope. Jake? Really? This is never, the first viewing for you? It. Wow. You're giving me a dumb smirk. What a I wanted to make. I, I, no, I wanted to make you think it was a bit. I've actually never seen this movie. Oh, wow. I held off on it because it was like an Academy thing, and everyone in Academy liked it. I typically <laughs> stay away from those. Uh, I just never got around to it. No, that's fair. Actually. I mean, so, it's definitely, that's definitely yeah. a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll dive all the way into the movie real soon. But first, got to do the 30-second plot synopsis. So, Jake, I guess I pulled up a stopwatch for you. Wow, this is the most forthcoming you've ever been. Ah, what are you going to do? You've turned real leaf, Jack, or whatever they say. I'm I'm on my best behavior here. We'll get into why in a second. Okay. 30 seconds around the goddamn clock. It's going to start when I start. Look, I'm doing it all for myself. It's a very respectful thing. You have to love yourself. (laughs) I don't. It's going to start when you start. Natalie Portman is a struggling ballerina at the New York City Ballet. She wants to do better. She's, like, living under the thumb of her oppressive mother. She's hurting herself, training harder and harder, kind of starting to go crazy. Eventually, she cast gets the lead. No, she tries out for the lead in the Black Swan, or no, Swan Lake, and it's not going great. But then the director tries to sexually assault her, and he likes how he bites her tongue, so he gives her the lead role, and that drives her absolutely insane. She makes out with Mila Kunis and then turns all the way into the Black Swan and loses her fucking mind and all grasp with reality. Time. Uh, <laughs> perfect. I did it perfectly. I, yep. I gotta tell you, I can't, I'm at a loss for words because I have just experienced perfection. <laughs> okay. If there were an Academy Award for story synopsis in under 30 seconds, you would have probably not qualified because that was 32 seconds, but you're getting what I'm going for here. <laughs> uh, hey, fuck you, Mark. Yeah, well, <laughs> So, anyway. one of the many comments I have is that, is that he doesn't bite her tongue. She bites his tongue. Is it, did I say it wrong? Yeah, it was just backwards. It's well, all good. That was like the, a, that the was least of your of concerns. Of the flubs, that was one of the most minor. 
It was one of the most minor, <laughs> except, the flips. I didn't get anything except else for wrong. the fact that it probably shouldn't have been included in the 30-second version. I didn't get anything else wrong. I mean, I you mean, can quibble with what my choices, but... I quibble with your choices. I think that's what it boils down to. <laughs> I would you say he succeeded in sexually assaulting her. I didn't attempt to. No, he, oh, just, yeah, no, he flat definitely out, did. He just was, flat out yeah, did. Yeah. Fully just sexually assaulted her. But also, yeah, I didn't get into that, the Mila I mean, Kunis you didn't, bit you didn't at really, all. You didn't really break down the Mila whole Kunis. mental state decomposing thing that is pervasive throughout the movie. No, I said I, she no, he said, mind. He, he, he said she wanted to be perfect, and it kind of made her sort of go, start to go crazy, sort of. Yeah, I think so is the words you what said. this movie does is it, it deals in subtleties. As it did when I said it. And I think I'm just upset that uh, Jack somehow didn't pull off how subtle this movie was in his 30-second plot synopsis. Yep. <laughs> Definitely subtle. <laughs> the subtleties were lost. Yeah. Yep. yep. That'll happen. Hey, boys, what in the fuck subgenres of horror does this fit into? Except psychological, because that's mine. Bam. Ooh, took I got it. one. Uh, Guys, body horror. Body horror. Boom. Yeah. Nailed it. Surprisingly body. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was not expecting that yeah. out of this movie. And that yeah. might be it. That's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Those are the two. Yeah, it's, good. It's okay, ballet. Cool. <laughs> ballet. It's award-winning horror. because it's brief. Uh, so what? There could be, I could think of three, four ballet horror movies if you, uh, actually not. Two not of them ballet are Suspiria. Horror movies? Suspiria and Suspiria and this. Okay, you can't count it twice. And then maybe that Gaspar No flick, Climax. There's not, not really ballet, ballet, though. But okay, so we can just expand it a little bit to be like dance school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dance um, school is horror if I've ever heard it, man. All right. Now, ordinarily, this is where we move into what the movie does right, but it's a special day here, boys. Uh, we have a special guest star in the studio. My lovely wife, Hannah. Hannah is here. Hi, Fox. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How are you? I am doing very well this evening. Good. We watched this. Mo- I watched this movie with you yesterday, two days ago. Two days ago. Yes. You like this movie. I love this movie. You used to be a professional ballerina. Uh, we'll just stick with ballerina. Okay. You presently teach ballet to young kids. I do. So we brought you in as a ballet expert. And so given that background, your status as a ballet expert, let me ask you, is that how ballerinas masturbate? I mean, I don't know if they do it with the finesse that Natalie Portman did, but... <laughs> it's a lot of finesse. She only rehearsed for a year for the role. So, I mean, there's some issues with her form. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, seriously though, uh, you did, you demanded to come out and talk about this movie. What do you want to say about this movie? Talk to me. I think that it is beyond being one of the more psychologically terrifying movies I've ever seen. It is also just one of those movies that actually kind of gets ballet right, which is a surprise because it's not easy. Okay. Uh, And you were telling me that they like deviate from some classical ballet in order to make like horror and terror things happen in the movie or things are a little bit wrong or something like that i don't remember what you i'm not a smart man hannah despite you know that's how we met i was a professional ballerino uh for many years and then oh, and then no. we they met for a dance tour now was it ever ballerino ballerino was yeah. that a thing oh damn it's that was a real word italian oh nice hey look at that i am a smart man i knew it not my mom was right well <laughs> ballet the word no, is italian was. but everything in ballet is french it's a long story Okay, um, so do you think they use ballet to help with the horror parts of this movie? I do, and I think that it lends ballet lends itself to horror because it is a horrifying life. To be honest, <laughs> okay, yeah, that part rings true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I've seen a number of ballets with you. Yes. And I think I'm like the the hot guys they meet in the bar in that movie. 
Um, even though I was a professional ballerina in a different life, I also was like the hot guys they meet in the bar. This is a good um, bit. You're a real Sebastian Stan. Yeah, I'm, I'm like Sebastian Stan who thinks it's not for him because it's boring. I respect it, but it's it's. But so many of them are horror. Jesus Christ, keep talking. So many of them are horror themed. They're all about stealing and eating children or something. The ballets? Yeah. And they're about getting into yeah, that no, boy's soul, always, man. There's always, there's always <laughs> some weird, disturbing element to them. I mean, let's be honest. Swan Lake is a very disturbing plot line. And then the other big ballet that Tchaikovsky and Pettipod did together, Sleeping Beauty, all about like a Me Too moment. Is that the plot of Swan Lake? She goes crazy and turns evil? No. So what it is is the concept of a doppelganger. It's uh she uh is turned into a swan and the evil and she falls in love with the prince and he can break the spell if he pledges to marry her and he's gonna do that at Seems this standard. big party and instead uh and R- von Rothbart the evil character overhears all of this and he then plans to bring his daughter and dress her up like the swan princess but dress her all in black. Hmm. I see. So there's Odette, who's the white swan princess, and Odile, who's the black swan. And she steals, basically, her man. And he pledges to love her. And now the white swan, Odette, is cursed forever. And she'll always be a swan. So some stories end with them killing themselves together. Some stories end with her killing herself. Some stories end with them defeating Rothbart and it all being pretty and roses. But How does a swan go about killing itself if she's trapped in a swan body? Eats a rock. Off a cliff. There's so oh, many. Damn it. Mark, she you watch the movie, man. Yeah, it's but you just fun. don't flap your wings, dude. Can swans fly? Yes. yes. Oh, <laughs> what kind of? Yeah. What? Chickens can't. I almost said ducks can't, but then I remembered. Ducks oh my can. god, chickens can't fly. So how can swans? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. If one bird can't fly, I don't see how any other ones could. Yeah, you're right. It's all fucking Doesn't fake news. It's, it's all, all fake news. It's wild. Oh, Nobody's Jesus. ever actually seen a bird fly in real life. It's just things they read about in stories so it's very folkloric and folklore is yes it was like rooted in terror yeah it was first performed in it's a russian folklore and it was first performed in moscow in like the 1890s Mm -hmm. and it was got a wild reception because it's crazy and those russians loved it how was the ballet in the movie it Is was, it good? Yes. Well, first off, everything from the leg down, all the footwork, all the fancy stuff, and like the faraway shots, those are all shout outs to the two New York City ballerinas who were the understudies. Okay. For, or understudies, but the dance bodies <laughs> doubles, doubles for yeah. Natalie Portman and also Mila Kunis. Which their technique is absolutely stunning. You cannot, there is very few companies in the world that match up to New York City Ballet. Okay. Uh, I thought Mila Kunis wasn't very technically good, though. She's just sexy, right? I didn't understand what she was saying. She's willing to let herself go and feel in the moment. You have to be technically good to be in a company. Yeah, but then there's the the rehearsal scene where she, like, spins around and then, like, elbows her partner in the face. She's like, aha, I'm so whimsical. Right? And then the the dickhead director's like, oh, see, be more like her where you can't do things right, but I think you're hot. (laughs) They have to write it into a movie for people to understand, (laughs) man. Exactly. Hey. Shit happens. <laughs> Shit do happen. That's true. Shit do happen. Uh, I don't even know of the format here, so I'm just breaking format all the way. I'm going to talk about a nitpick later. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I want to know if it's true. Okay. Jump all the way to the end of the show. Despite having been a professional ballerino, I have questions about it because um, this never happened to me. Off screen, when they're in the full actual performance, 
Mila Kunis grabs the lead male dancer's crotch, and he's wearing his, like, little ballet tights. What if he gets an erection? Okay, they wear this thing called a dance belt, and I cannot speak to how powerful it is in (laughs) holding you in, but it's got to do something, right? I guess. Yeah. Okay. Have, Have you ever been to a ballet where one of the male dancers has had a visible erection? No. Okay. So, probably works. So, it, it works, yeah. yeah. I can, that's the only thing I can conclude from that. Sorry, that was my, that was my transgression. Sorry. Uh, I'm glad we really went out of the way for that. <laughs> well, I had questions about it. She'd really so make I think those we're supposed more to be talking about known, what man. this movie does right. And beyond it just being an excellent portrayal of ballet and a fantastic horror movie, it's also just visually really well done. That's true. But also, yesterday you told me there are things about it you were like... Okay. Reaching for I your have, notes to write down a whole lot. I I do have some um, nitpicks as well, but I thought this was the what's good section. I love <laughs> okay. Hannah. Thank you for being yeah. apparently the only person who actually listens to our podcast and can keep us on task. <laughs> yeah, that's outrageous. <laughs> I'm just the host. I can't do any of that shit. Let's talk more about how visually stunning this movie is. Hannah, did you have anything like specific that you wanted to talk about there? Well, I mean, I just, I think that even, okay, here's a nitpick though that I do have to say. The costumes, <laughs> do you see what you did? Do you see what you've done? <laughs> the costumes, while are, I think they're beautiful, they're kind of basic when it comes to a Swan Lake costume. It's a little bit like seen that before. Even though they were, you know, Rodarte supposedly was a big influence on them, which is a high fashion brand. But they were still very pretty and they did a good job with the makeup. And I thought that beyond that, it it just had a really impeccable color coordination to the whole thing. Like you see her in the pinks and the whites early on. And then she starts to go to the grays and the blacks in her clothing. Beyond that, the the very simple backgrounds that they had it allows like the drama to be center but is also kind of eerie which is really reminiscent of those buildings because those hallways are creepy yeah yeah mark to, to your point there that whole cinematography thing i fucking love the way it's just like so tight around her face and or head throughout most of the movie and it's so frenetic and you're like feel so compressed with her in this tight little box and then when she starts to go crazy like the only times it shows you wide shots are either when she's dancing or when she's like seeing herself walk down the street it's really yeah effective all of that is very aronofsky uh yes it lends a nice claustrophobia to it which helps because as things start to go awry it try i mean the attempt there is to make you feel off balance and not know what is actually happening versus what's happening in her mind and i think for the most part the technical elements of the movie are successful in doing that yeah are there any parts Um, that weren't you said for the most part well i mean we're not in that section and i'm not gonna get into your horse shit where you keep getting us off topic so i don't understand how you're out of practice every single week we do this every week we do it (laughs) we're talking about what the movie does right and the technical elements are what it does right i mean it's the cinematography it's the sets it's the costuming it's everything that this movie did to create mark would say mise-en-scene but would he? If, I don't know, if I ever a term has applied more to a movie, it would be this one. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if uh, Benjamin Millipier like is choreographing it, yeah, mise en scène makes sense. So I, that's I, that's prime, and there's a lot that you could dissect, and we could spend hours talking about how it's a, like tour de force on that front. But you know, 
we've we've been talking about Fair it for enough. a minute. In a, so. in a strange the- way, hold on. We can talk about we can talk about the individual scenes of cinematography or whatever, but I think it's all encapsulated in this one short shot that weirdly stands out to me in when Natalie Portman, right after I can't remember if she's gotten the role or if she's practicing for her audition and she's being taught how to flap. I think it's when she's doing the white the white swan part of the right after she gets the role and yeah. she's standing, she's facing the camera and the instructor's back is to the camera. And the whole point of the shot is to show the instructor's back muscles as she's flapping. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yep. Yep. Dude. I mean, it's that type of attention to detail that like you're basically just watching Natalie Portman flap her wings, but also like the actual focus of the shot in the rule of thirds is, and what's in focus wow. is the instructor's back muscles. Like a lot of what they're trying to show you is the, pure technicality of ballet and like the just the athleticism of it and that's why i really appreciated this movie because it really does show it and it also shows like the honest to god life of a dancer where you're doing that coaching you're training all day you're yeah you were telling me this the other new york city ballet is like one of the top five ballet things in the world yeah maybe you're telling me like a lead dancer makes forty grand a year or something I'd there? I'd say like maybe fifty. That's right? insane. That's insane to me. I, don't I know mean, about it's no lead Miami lead dancer. They might be more, but <laughs> I would say like maybe they're lucky if they make fifty. Wow, that is wild. Well, you gotta think they do seasons, and it's it's there's not a lot of pay in it. Never has been. <laughs> they have long train rides. They do it for long the art. Train rides. Uh, let, we got to talk about the performances. Like, let, let's just get that here. Okay. Natalie Portman fucking slays this role. Yeah. She's, She's unbelievable. Good. Like, And her whole breakdown from start to finish, the innocent thing at the beginning, but like boiling over a little bit, like yeah. too crushed down. I don't know. I'm losing track of words because of how good the performance is. But And then all the way to the full actual breakdown. It's, it's fantastic. And it's a sustained breakdown, too, I think is the thing you're getting at. Like, it does come to a climax and all when she ultimately stabs herself, I suppose. I don't even actually know if that's what, where the breakdown would climax anyway, because at that it, point she's just attacking my lacunas. But she's breaking down for the whole movie. Like, that's one of the things I'd written down is they lay the seeds of the transformation of the Black Swan in scene number one when she's scratching the rash on her back. Oh, they yeah. do that through the whole movie. When yep. the first time you see, and this is like five minutes into the movie, the first time you see her mom's painting studio and the eyes of the paintings move. Oh it's, my god, it's I love that to tell. scene. I had to go back and and watch and figure out what was actually moving, but like there's just these tiny little subtle weird things you're like, "Oh well, yeah, she's going crazy." Yeah, it it reminded me of like when you watch The Shining. It was done in a different way, but you get from the very first sequence in that movie where where Jack Nicholson is like interviewing for the job. It's the way he delivers some of his lines and like little nuances, like physical mannerisms he makes that you're like <sighs> this guy yeah. seems a little weird. Yeah. Um, it's stuff like that that they managed to keep it subtle, but it happens from the very beginning. And, I mean, both of these are tremendous psychological breakdowns on screen. So I think that that's a good, you know. And I think it's really fascinating that it also lines up with this whole concept of, like, transformation, not only in the color of a wardrobe and all of that, but from also this kind of, like, infanti- like infantilization of the of her character in the beginning and the, her relationship to her mother is also just like so disturbingly creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Living vicariously through your daughter because you had a ballet career and then you lost it because you were Got either raped up. or somehow coerced into a sexual relationship by a ballet director. So you made another ballerina. Oh God. It's, it's, it's fucked, fucked up, man. Icky. 
It's very icky. Yep. Icky is <laughs> a good way to put it. <laughs> and then you just, as the added layer on top of that, you spend all day, even though you're a bad painter, painting pictures of your daughter just <laughs> over <laughs> and over and Whoa. over and over Don't, again. Dude, at least she's trying. I mean, whatever. Well, I think, Hold on. I think part of it, I think part of that is like this intonation that maybe there's undiagnosed mental illness that runs in the family. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's a good That's point. That's what yeah. I got from that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, I also, I love the body horror aspects of this movie, right? The Dude, it was totally scabs. unexpected for me when she fucking pulls the nail off is right, the skin. The hangnail that pulls down yeah. her finger, I almost <laughs> vomited. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> I was not that's, expecting it. That's such an accurate representation Ooh. of anxiety and like like mental illness behaviors, that picking, that's a constant thing in, yep, in yeah. individuals who have mental illness. Well, and they kind of like prep you for it a little bit with the actual ballet stuff of like broken, fucked up toes and split yeah. Toenails. Oh, and that stuff. I can tell you is a hundred percent sure. Yeah, but then it's just like, oh, now it's just ripping her skin down her hands. Like, oh god. Well, I was like, that was also, I, I, yeah, yeah, that was the first like body horror, like real. Like this is yeah. not just like the normal. We're gonna show you the trials and tribulations that are horrific, but real within this right, you know, line of work really. But um, it was like, okay, this is what kind of movie this is gonna be. Yeah. And when you haven't seen, because because I was the only person, this is the first time I've seen it, like. That kind of shocked me for a minute there. I had to be like, okay, well, there's body horror now. There's subtle body horror stuff too, like in around where the 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 rash is. It's all yep. goose pimples on her yeah. back. Like, and, that's, well, and then really that cool. becomes a whole big thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, To tie these two things together real quick, so I think one of the uh, there's there's a lot to be said about mirrors in this movie. I don't particularly yes. know why they love all the reflective imagery and stuff, but I one of the mindfuckery turns that they do that I really like is. Because the rash is a mystery throughout most of the movie. But then when she looks at herself in one of the mirrors that are going both ways, she sees her reflection, the reflection of the mirror behind her yeah. where she's scratching her shoulder, even though she's not scratching her shoulder. So yeah. it's like her subconscious is basically the one that's creating all of these like weird mania-driven rashes on her body because it's just going fucking nuts when she can't control it. Well, you got to think that the mirror imagery actually, like the obsession with mirrors makes so much sense in the ballet world because you spend all day standing in front of fucking mirrors. Like you spend all of your days surrounded by mirrors, looking at yourself from all different angles. Seeing Luckily, as I understand that. it, nobody in the ballet world has ever had any kind of body dysmorphia or no. self-image issues that no, anybody needs to deal with. prevalent at so, all. Good thing you should put mirrors up every fucking where. So you don't get paid much if you're in ballet in New York, but if you make mirrors in New York, whoo, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> that's solid i don't really have anything else the movie does directly right i got i got one how about indirectly right clint manzel fucking rules okay clint manzel did the score of this movie oh it frustrates his, his me it frustrates play, me that you guys don't know who clint manzel is his playing with the whole swan lake original tchaikovsky score in it is so well done. It it really is impressive. And the music lends itself so well. And the way that they use the mer- the music, like the prologue in the beginning, and then using like a bunch of the coda and all of that is so impressive. Yeah, Mark, I mean, I had that note, dude. I wrote down Johnny Manziel slaps. <laughs> cool. Uh, if you So if you are unfamiliar with him, he also did Requiem for a Dream. He also did The Fountain. If you want like a good kind of like explosions in the in the sky style sound while you're working or just while you're wanting to chill out. Yeah, give Clint Manziel yeah. a listen. 
And the, no. the, like I said, the score, and like Hannah just said, the score that he lends to this movie, impeccable. Which is like interpretations of the classical ballet music. It's crazy. Right, yeah. but he also has more, I mean, obviously he always draw from various inspirations. I feel like this one's drawn, it's, it's, it has a very specific driven purpose of this ballet theme. His other stuff is more freeform explosions in the sky style post-rock stuff. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. but like even Requiem for on, a Dream is amazing, dude. Like yes. that shit is on like my iPod One workout playlist. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But even early on in the movie, like when stuff's starting to go wrong, he plays the traditional like like the the overture to Swan Lake, but kind of in a minor key. It's crazy how good it is. It's wild. Johnny Manziel, man. <laughs> weird. Weird that a movie about art and dancing and stuff would have a good soundtrack. I know, but yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Just like climax. All right, so that's going to take us to the end of what the movie does right. Now, Fox, you're a very busy person. You don't you don't have time to hang around with us hooligans. What else do you want to say about this movie? Talk to me about other things you got people got to know about this movie. As I said, I think that it's just a it's a really wonderful movie and it's well done, but I do again, you got to give a shout out to the dancers who understudied. Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis are gorgeous, but they were not real ballerinas. And unlike me, who's a real ballerino, I I mean, this is this is out there for debate. There is quite a lot of evidence that Natalie Portman's responsible for like 80 percent of the dance sequences, not to diminish what Sarah Lane did. But apparently from the people who made the movie, there is a lot of footwork that Sarah Lane's. But like mm, a lot of the ballet is also Natalie Portman. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. One hundred percent. But what she does is very. um... It's the hard part. No, it's the easy part. <laughs> oh. No, no, no. I oh, think Mark, we were, you got that exactly we, wrong. No, we. I think we were just talking about the opposite people. Sarah Lane does the hard part. Oh, Natalie Sarah Portman Lane does, does the, the hard part. Flourishes. Natalie Portman does the the gets a lot of the easier stuff, the port de bras and the the palmon, and the flow, and just like a very simple like grandjeté. I, I you know would, exactly you, all those. Things. Well, I yep. mean, like you look at the cinematography and you like, despite the fact that you have like upper body Natalie Portman feet, obviously not her. You would fuck this movie up if she didn't train a lot. And oh like both her and Mila Kunis yeah. trained a she, lot, she like deserves, seven days a week. She deserves like a bunch of credit. I, I, and that's what I was going to say is that I think that it portrays ballet in a way that's really respectful. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of movies don't do that very well. Definitely. And I think that that's really awesome. I also think it is terrifying as fuck. Yeah. And it is like beyond just being a psychological horror film, it's got that body horror as well. But it's like there's also like a, a – there's a slightly life-changing quality about it, if that makes sense. Like, it really makes you reevaluate your own shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe for us professional ballet dancers, but not for the rest of these EAs. You continue this bit for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I, uh... Uh, but no, that does go exactly with what Mark said earlier. Like, a big part of it was it wasn't just being good at ballet. It was actually looking like a professional ballet dancer for yeah. Natalie Portman, right? It's so that she could do that arm thing and look like a person who... And that articulation in and of itself is hard. And it, it's... That's what I'm saying. And I really loved Mark's example of, like, showing the back muscles. Mm. I mean, those women in the actual Swan Lake production do that for pretty much 45 minutes. Like, I want like I want you to try and do that for five. Well, I, I can because of my background, but it's... Uh, Jack, you couldn't tell a pot of beret from a petite. I'm gonna petite. flip a table. I'm gonna flip a table. Okay. Also, surprise, Winona Ryder. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. I told. But she's I in had, the movie for like three minutes. Yeah. I know, but like I, my thinking back on this movie had no idea either Sebastian Stan or Winona Ryder were in it. Hmm. Anyway, sorry, Hannah. This is your segment. Anything else you got, Fox? Before we let you go. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I think it's a really great movie. I also think that we need to explore the concept of, like, the duality of individuals and, like, the concept. It's also, like, based in that folkloric, like, Russian doppelganger theories. And as Jack and I were talking about when we were watching it, those are entirely rooted in, like, explanations for mental illness and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's really fascinating. And I think I remember reading an interview with um, Aronofsky uh, when he first did the like around the oscar time because i'm obsessed with the oscars so this was you know also fodder for me because it won academy awards but uh he did a whole interview series where he was saying that it was based on a Dostoevsky book Mm -hmm. which i vaguely remember having to read for a college class once and as is true with all Dostoevsky books yeah, yeah exactly because no one wants to spend their free time reading that show. <laughs> it's a 900-page light read. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> and I just, I remember talking about, like, the doppelganger principles and, like, this whole idea of duality and everything. And I think that that is also kind of horrific in its own way, like, having to confront your own, like, inner demons and stuff like that. That sort of, like, duality of personality and and, you know... It, it it that there's just a level of like such creepiness that drills into the psyche but then also terrifies you with that body horror stuff and i just can't get enough of this movie it's a great movie you have to get out of here because you're saying too many smart things and it's going to become clear to our listeners how stupid we actually are jack thank you so much for being here we it appreciate was, it we do it was clear when you tried to go to dip pics immediately okay okay <laughs> well hold on hold on She'd already said really smart things at that point. So coming at me like that. That's why you're wrong every week. Because you have to <laughs> it's like an intimidation much complex. Things than you the whole time. Jack, since I think that just kind of spun you into an episode, I, I can just explain to you at a really basic level what she kind of just said. It's scary because Natalie Portman loses herself in the music, the moment. You want it? <laughs> you better never let go. Yeah. Oh See, shit. Now, now you get it, right? You got, you got me back. Thank you, Mark. I. Well, this, this is often a thing between Hannah and I. I often need a translator because she talks way over my head, and it's very, frankly, very condescending. If I'm being honest. Hold on, I gotta listen to what. Are you guys? Are we back in? That, I was hoping so. Yeah, that was a great bit. Shit. Until you ruined it. Let's keep going. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you just no, leave it yeah. in. So are we officially on Does Middle now? Have we transitioned? <laughs> yes. Or we We're all over the place, man. We're dancing know, around. Like, we're dancing we always talk format. in podcast form, so it's hard to tell when we're in and when we're out. You know what I mean, dude? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, when you're this tight of a podcast, when you keep every, when you are so clear on what the rules are and how to do them, you can play around with those rules. And I don't think you've ever them. been less tight than you've been today. Uh, that cannot possibly be true. It's, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Close, though. All top, right, what do we have in the movie Does Metal? Top 10. I wish this movie had the balls to call itself a horror movie. I know Aronofsky calls it a horror movie. You but can't like, if you want to get the Academy all hard, man. <laughs> tell that to Get Out, I suppose. I mean, Get Out came almost a decade after this movie. Yeah, and also it was never a realistic contender for Best Picture. No. Yeah, I don't know what won that year, but yeah. Hardcore. Well, uh, the fucking King's Speech beat this movie, and that movie. Oh, is that was what it was? Okay. A boring. Dude, there. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk it, about it. Jesus Christ. In any case, I this is one of those movies where I'm talking to people at work. Hey, what movie did you watch this week? Oh, Dark Swan. That's not even a horror movie. That's because that's like, not even the movie. Well, well, and Hannah said, like, I after Black we Swan. finished it, I, I was like, what's your favorite? Is this your favorite horror movie? She's like, oh, this is a horror movie? 
I was like, yeah, it's absolutely it's a horror you, movie. It's yeah. all about how you sell yourself, but I, I do think that there's some truth to that because of how this plays off, and this is potentially like a little bit of the Aronofsky thing where like it is horrifying what you witness, but in another way, it's similar to Requiem for a Dream and that my overall feeling walking out the other side is one that's more that this is sad than scary. That's what I, I walk out like not feeling great, and not to say that like that's what a lot of horror movies you walk out from. Like there's fun yeah, ones and there's walk out. <laughs> and there's devastating. I just watched the Nightingale ones, but this one it feels more sad to me than it does scary. So I think that that's potentially a part of it, and it it it's like obviously just a good film, well constructed. It knows what it's doing. It's not setting out to just be like we are doing horror. Like it's doing psychological stuff. It's doing body stuff to tell uh, like a cohesive story, but. It's not your typical fare, so to speak. What's I interesting like about it, though, sad. is how how much people don't realize what horror... I think I need to rephrase this. It's it's funny how contextual the feeling of fear is. And if you're, not, if you're not going into something expecting a horror movie, then it's much harder to tell whether or not something is actually scary. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so in a way, like if this movie wanted to make the point that it does, and Aronofsky always says it's a psychological horror movie. Like, why not lean into calling it a psychological horror movie so that people, so that it has a greater emotional impact? So box office and awards is why. Not which is why this is, in, which is why this is does middle, right? I mean, that's exactly why it's Well, does it's middle. not necessarily box office. It's definitely awards. Uh, potentially at this point in time that it came out in 2010, box office. Definitely but right box now, office. you make a horror movie and it's fucking But But it's also different, right? Money. You get different viewers. You make a movie that's, also, there's no way to market. Like, you also have to market this is an art film, right? That this is a cinematography heavy psychological. Be, well, you don't movie. do that. This would be literally impossible to market. Guys, we're going to make a movie about ballet, the thing which, when you go to watch it, like, no one wants to pay for anyway. But we're going to make it a horror movie, that other thing people don't like watching. We're just going to jam them together jam and make those it two, two hours together. long. So, anyone who is ever going to be interested in a horror movie, all the teenage boys, they don't want to watch it. Right? Yeah, but they threw in that one scene. That's going to get him in. <laughs> I like that scene. I, look, I I can assure you it did not hurt the performance of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Because <laughs> I hadn't seen it, and that's the one scene I knew about. Yeah, man. That's the one scene you've seen several times, if I'm guessing. I mean, there's two no. scenes. There's one. That's, there's know, one. Yeah. There's one in particular, though. Really? I mean, there's Yeah, the... it, it, there's one in particular where Mila Kunis is like at the top of her game. Well, you know right. I mean? So there's the Mila Kunis one, and then there's the one where she's just straight up masturbating in bed, yeah, which is that's also almost more good. risque. Also very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't okay. think it's almost more risque. But one has Mila Kunis in it, and the other doesn't. <laughs> I mean, that is a, a that is as valid a rebuttal as I think I've ever gotten out of you. Thanks. This yep. is unrelated, but when did the Natalie Portman rap come out? When was that SNL? Was that post this? Oh, or Lazy Tuesdays or whatever it was called. It no, Lazy Sunday is a Lonely Island thing, but it has nothing to do with the Natalie Portman rap besides oh, being made cupcakes. by the same people. Cupcakes no, was what she did, no. right? Lazy Lazy Sunday is cupcakes. Is cr- oh god damn it! I see. Lazy Hold on, cupcakes. <laughs> lazy cupcakes. Lazy cupcakes. It was Lazy cupcakes. Sure. I don't know. Guess because it's. I love that Natalie Portman rap. I don't sleep, motherfucker. Off that yak and that Durban, doing one twenty, getting head while I'm swerving. Damn, Natalie, you a crazy chick. Yo, shut the fuck up and suck my dick. 
so much. It's so. You guys remember weird. when Natalie Portman was like fucking ready to go with Anakin, and Anakin was like eight years old? That was weird. That was. I mean, very she was weird. fourteen at the time. Damn, she like was that. like, oh, I got to figure out how to do some like time dilation shit with this guy. Yeah, but he was eight. Time yeah, dilation. but just dilate his time. You're fine, dude. Have you guys have you guys ever watched Leon the Professional when Natalie what? Portman was eight or nine years old? Nope. Oh. Guys, you've got to watch that movie. That is a stellar movie. Natalie What's Portman's it about? In it. She's like eight or nine years old. She's a hitman. She's That's a it. hitman? Yeah. So is it's like Hannah? Spy Kids? This sounds like the movie Hannah. Uh, I mean, Hannah, Hannah is in the same genre, certainly. I didn't you know guys, she was acting Dude, Leon the Professional is a legitimately good movie that I'm kind of surprised. We're, I'm learning a lot about you guys. You don't know Clint Mark, Mansell, you're doing, you you're doing too much like, I'm surprised. I'm disappointed tonight. And I don't, I feel like you've got like a little bit of your Academy hat on, and on I don't care for it. Yeah, thrown to judgments, handing out life lessons. All the sinners. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. you got to watch Leon the Professional. It's a really good movie. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. Yeah, now yeah. I'm not going to watch it because you're an asshole. What does the movie do wrong? Right. So many things. Okay, go. <laughs> Say one of them. <laughs> um... Well, nice. Uh, no, I. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't like land for me. I don't know okay, how to. I, I, I think that's this fair. is a subjective podcast. I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but like I watched this movie and like Hannah, who has a background in this, like has gone through trials and tribulations of it, has grown up in the that as a life. I get that you can appreciate. There are things that I cannot appreciate about this movie. And this movie, one of the benefits of it, and one of the things that it does right that we talked about, is that it gets that right. But therefore, for people who are on the outside, that could be an alienating quality. And it sure as shit was for me. It, it's one of those things where it goes so deep on it, right? Yeah. And it's so, it's kind of like, it's so also contained and so specific that it, it, if you're not like super involved in it, it's still well made, but it is a little bit too much for you to even figure so, out. Yeah, what I ultimately got was I felt distant from the movie that I was watching, and that took me out a little bit, so I guess my immersion score is ultimately going to be what suffers here. I don't guess. It, it is what ultimately suffers. Um, that was number one. Number two for me, and like, look, I don't have any problem with watching a movie with Mila Kunis in it because, yep, but... <laughs> It's really hard to watch a movie that takes itself as seriously as this movie does where Mila Kunis is a, is a ballerina. Like, it, 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 there was a, a cognitive dissonance there where I'm, like, thinking back to, like, I saw you and forgetting Sarah Marshall. But she does Marshall. a good job. So, sort yeah. of. She does. She does on, a good I job. I want you to but, put on your ballet critic hat here and tell me all the things she does wrong at ballet except for the one scene I already mentioned where she elbows her partner. That's exactly kind of what I'm getting at, though. Is that, but like, she's while being there's, aloof, dude. While they're, oh, cool, and that's, she's so <laughs> passionate, but, like, whatever about that. Is that your French accent? Uh, that was more Spanish. I know. I was actually, I was thinking about someone I went to grad school with that talked about passion all the time. It was fucking asshole. He kissed me on the mouth once. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kissed you on the mouth once. Story, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. His was his had a little more open quality to it, if you know what I mean. Ooh. Um, no, let's keep keep talking about this. It was <laughs> keep going. All, it was an experience. Um, in any in any case, uh, whew, uh, um, <laughs> that's a lot happening. Mila I tell Jake to put on his ballet critic hat, and all the things change. Yeah, I don't know. Something about about experiencing a movie where she is that character also had a, it was a detriment to my ability to like stay with it and enveloped in it. Interesting. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I right. hear that and I think I would have said that after the first viewing. I wasn't super thrilled to go back and watch this cuz I had that taste in my mouth. It was 
much better on the second time okay. through. I mean, maybe I should watch it a second time. Apparently, my lovely fiance loves this movie too and was agitated that I didn't invite her to watch it with me. So, well, that was a weird move. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. Uh, we did blow right by the fact that she went from the lovely girlfriend to the lovely fiance. Also. Oh, oh, that's hey. a while. That's that's months ago. We've already done that. I think. <laughs> I know. That's have why we? I said we blew right by it. But have I edited and released the episode yet? Probably, Probably not, <laughs> dude. We're so far behind. <laughs> the, see, the <laughs> thing is, the listeners don't even know what they haven't heard. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think that this is this is one of the movies that might, makes me take a step back and kind of like see how my perspective has changed a bit since we started this horror review thing. I used to watch horror movies every once in a while. I like horror movies, but it wasn't something I watched. I watched I like five horror movies in the last week. Like we've watched probably four hundred horror movies or so in the last three years for this project that we're doing. I'm so sorry, Mark. I have loved every minute of it. Cool. I think I, all I needed was just an excuse to dive into a genre. But what I'm saying is, like, when you're looking at it through a different light, when I approached it initially as just someone watching a movie because it was, like, well-acclaimed and it was making an award run and Natalie Portman is in, it, is in it, and I like Natalie Portman, so let's put this one on. It was, like you just said, it was kind of boring and subjectively, like, it was cool, but it didn't land with me. So, and then when I'm coming back and watching it through, like, is this a horror movie? How am I evaluating this as a horror movie? What does Aronofsky do to make it a horror movie? It became, like, way more interesting and fascinating. So that's a very interesting statement, right? Because, like, I might not have seen however many hundred you just said during this project, but I've you've, seen... You're hu- pretty close, probably. I've seen hundreds, and I and didn't I'm right have up there with you guys. I'm yeah, probably about the same number. I, probably the same number. Yeah. I, I was too busy being a ballerino. Ballerino. I did not have that same experience. So I think there's something, while I I don't disagree with what you said, obviously, there's got to be something else also where that second viewing got you that's not just like, oh, I've seen more horror movies, so I'm looking at it through a horror lens because I'd like to think that I was too. And it's still, there were certain qualities that I was just like, "Eh." I think there are aspects to this movie that are overwhelming. Um, Well, jumping into uh, all of the obvious things aside, just jumping into. I guess spoiler alert for later in the episode, jumping into the world that this thing constructs and builds is ballet oriented. And if you're not like ready to just jump into that and learn all the things you're about to learn and see all the toenails fall off and all the like weird stretching and shit they do, then you're kind of distracted throughout. Sure. There was more ballet. There was more true ballet in this movie than I expected. I expected it to be less of like, them on the dance floor and more of like the psychological elements so that was a surprise not that i would say like if i'm trying to like distance myself and just say like what did i actually think was wrong about this movie i actually think that's really cool right but maybe maybe that also maybe that had a good and a bad quality and both of those things can be true right there's like something about being brought into a world you're not being like spoon-fed what all the terms mean it's just you're watching people use them and do it so i should have put it in middle yeah, you probably should have. I mean, no, I, I don't necessarily think that. I think there is there is an importance to differentiate between objectively good and subjectively good, and vice versa. You can be objectively good like this is and be subjectively bad like this is for Jake. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree, I agree with that statement. Objectively good, subjectively had troubles. Man, Hannah got me on a train to saying smart things. I don't know if I can sustain <laughs> this. <laughs> you should just give up. Probably. Um, this is actually a great psycholo- trait for a psychological horror movie, but this is pretty loose with a lot of the uh, with a lot of the plot holes and like what actually happened. Primarily, I don't understand how uh, Natalie Portman's character is Nina, right? How Nina, Nina walks into the hospital, murders Winona Ryder, 
everything oh, is on camera because she's in a hospital and then just walks out and is fine. Nothing else comes up. I mean, you got to think like the next day she'd get caught, but I mean, she's dead, so whatever. Or she didn't actually do it, right? It's the problem with these psychological horror movies. Like, did any of it actually happen? You don't know. Yeah, yeah for but a you don't while. typically get the double twist where it goes from being the hallucination, to, hallucination of Winona Ryder stabbing herself to Nina holding the, the bloody the knife. whatever yeah. the hell that thing was. Shale file. Shit. Yeah, it was a bloody nail file. So it would be a triple turn, which they don't do anywhere else. Um, They did a triple turn with Natalie Portman fights Mila Kunis, then stabs herself, but it was actually Mila Kunis that drags her, and then so, she's actually gone. That's like a quadruple twist. So for That a was while, a single twist. She stabbed Mila Kunis, and then it wasn't Mila Kunis. It was herself. But then it was gone. It was no one. Right, because Mila Kunis wasn't there because she stabbed herself. It's a so single twist. This, you're actually getting at one of the things that, like, for a while, I was like, is this doing... Is this the Fight Club thing, right? right. Is, does Mila right. Kunis even exist, right. period? Yeah. And you don't know, and I like. I am on record for liking that ambiguity in a movie. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, I hate to, I hate it to spoil matter. it for you, but she does objectively exist. Like Other people she, she in does. the movie do acknowledge her. She's referenced directly by <laughs> the it's, main guy. It's not a spoiler. You're right. It's not a okay. Tyler Durden thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. There are. Yeah, there's nothing subtle about it. She exists, but for a while, I It is a I conditional Tyler Durden thing. Sometimes it's true. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's Tyler Durden. Uh, so this is a weird place to put this other thing that I, I put in what it did wrong because we're talking about all the twists that it had. I have to go like way more 30,000 foot view of it. Kind of predictable, right? Oh, yeah. Her her decline and mirroring the performance that she's giving method acting, right? It's not all method acting. That was like you could see that coming from like 10,000 miles away. There's still joy in all of the things that happen to get you there. But ultimately, like the line itself is one that you're like, I let's go. Like, just break. Break. I, I go ahead it, right? and do it. I know it's happening. So, yeah. yeah. So that was one thing that I had a little bit of trouble with, too. Fair is enough. that that it's not? I mean, I, I in my mind, that's just because it's. It's telegraphed really well in a in a straight like they could take that as a double edged sword. They tell they I, they call their shot from a long way off, but also the whole movie is building around the thing that you're specifically expecting to see. They right. call they call their shot and then they do a trick shot. It's also kind of an Aronofsky right. thing where it's like it's yeah. not a super complex story that I'm trying to tell, but I'm just really trying to delve into the small moments that are part of that story. Exactly like mother. Yeah. Oh my god! Mother. Let's not talk about that fucking movie. <laughs> have, you, have either of you guys seen that? No, I no, but seen I'm Mother. planning on it soon. I'm gonna watch Mother eventually. Okay. Uh, it's gonna give no, you, I hear you a substantial amount of anxiety, just for the record. Which one of us? Both. That movie oh, is like good. just anxiety turned into film. Sounds like Re- Requiem for a Dream. That's fun. It sounds like uh, Uncut Gems. I don't want to see that movie. I do. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to you. This has been the A to Z movie corner. Yeah. Should we just go to ratings? No. I mean, if, because oh, gonna, we're going to blow by nitpicks? No, See, the this most is what happens. Part. You're a goddamned buffoon at this point. Well, that was never a doubt. <laughs> God. Nitpick station. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. It would be funny if she, none of us had nitpicks. I don't think she I, could. She couldn't have danced for that long with that wound, man. Uh, well, yeah. Probably not. And on that same note. Like, period, actually. There's that Sherlock episode where it, they, they have that wound, but they don't bleed out of it because, like, their belt is so tight. So maybe that's what it was. She was in but, her costume. Dude, the, and that was the, what was, yeah, like, but the, it in. The, 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 sh- the impact that she is putting on her body for, like, two parts of this sequence. I don't know. That was all garbage, but you know what I mean. Uh, she had a lot of glass in her. That's not happening. 
It's straight I mean, up not she happening. does. So the first part, she has the costume on. It's tight, and the glass shard is still in there, so it could be obstructing whatever hole that it's in. Mark. And then the second, and then she pulls it out, puts the costume back. I don't know. It's, I'm trying to give him yeah, the benefit. I of guess that. a human could do it, but with that sort of like grace, no, it's <laughs> probably, not happening. Probably not a human that weighs like 75. Pounds. And yeah, that's <laughs> like a like 70 percent of her body weight. <laughs> and similarly, I don't think Mila Kunis would be allowed to be a principal dancer or even a main dancer that has whose back can be exposed to the audience with, with tattoos the tattoo? like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I was thinking about that once too. I was like, that seems a little bit loose. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, throw, so, they throw loose see, at now, the New York the, ballet. The tattoo, the tattoo could be the Tyler Durden thing here. It's possible. It could be yeah, the, the maybe the, it is just it's just swan wings or whatever. Conditional Tyler Durden. Oh shit, so she doesn't exist. You guys fucked me the whole time. <laughs> no, hey, she doesn't exist, but nah. her tattoo does exist. Oh, that's okay, all that I get it. She's I get just it. a yep. floating tattoo. Damn, this movie's tense. It's a reverse the board. Benjamin Button situation. No, that's different. <laughs> I actually uh, only had two neat picks for this movie. I oh. got I got a bunch of neat picks. At the beginning of the movie, Natalie Portman's mom makes her breakfast. And as far as I could tell, I went freeze frame with it. I think it was half a grapefruit to? and an oyster. No, it's oyster an egg, dude. Are you kidding me? That very clearly like an, egg. an egg at all. It's like a poached egg. That looked like an oyster. Is she made it the weirdest you way ever she could make oysters? it, Jack. What? <laughs> What's the eggs? weirdest way she could make an egg? <laughs> that way. Okay? It's just an egg, bruh. <laughs> Bruv. Gov. Govna. Um, I wanted to highlight the diaphragm massage scene. This sort of like just randomly in the middle and no, i thought this was stick it in i thought it was fascinating and interesting and it was probably just like a ballet thing uh and then i looked it up and it, like according to the imdb trivia page that's what i mean by i looked it up i mean i read the trivia page um that's fun. natalie portman actually like broke slash bruised a rib and when she had the pt on set they were just like hey you should be in character for this so they wow. filmed an actual pt session i see <laughs> that's cool yeah makes sense yeah. i mean why not capture what you can uh, when she does fall, right? When she falls, like the guy's holding her up and she falls, it plays it off like it's her fault. The director tells her it's her fault. She doesn't move at all. I don't know what she could have possibly done differently. She to was not just, fall. was she supposed to jump off? I don't understand. I no she idea. was just up there for a while and he and was then like, he eh. drops her. It's in 100%. He's like, you should probably you see, this be gone. Is, <laughs> this is, this is why we shouldn't have dismissed Hannah, uh, even though she had other things to work on, which makes a lot of sense. But I don't know. She shifted her weight. She squirmed a little bit. She wasn't did tell me there's, there's things you could do to screw that up as Natalie Portman, but she didn't do them. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. That's like Hannah chiming have in like from a Beyond painfully the visceral deja vu experience? Yes. I'm having it now. Okay, is that why you pulled your hat like down all the way over your This conversation has happened. Yes, 164 times or whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty much part of the course. We've done <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that part... That particular part about the shifting of the weight and the dropping and that thing, it's happened. I think it's you happened. just saw the same cat two different times, Jake. I see the same cat. Is there a movie day. that understands deja vu less than The Matrix? <laughs> I'm it. sure there is. Positive <laughs> there is. I cannot name it. Uh, hey, don't use fucking really sharp scissors as nail clippers if you're going to keep cutting parts of your finger off. Just get a set of nail clippers. Why are you using scissors anyway? Oh, my God. Jack. You know? They only make like forty grand a year. Maybe they can't afford fancy smancy nail clippers. Like I you guarantee can. you, those scissors are bougie, motherfucker. Those no, scissors there's are like way there's more like expensive. those old school groups you can sign up for, and they'll like mail you nail clippers and shit. It's weird. Is that a thing? Yeah, I, it's a I it's just... a sex thing, Jack. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Jake's weird sex club where they mail him nail clippers that are scissors. <laughs> I was going to try to explain this, but it'd make it even weirder now. After <laughs> well, that joke. Okay, now you have to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I choose <laughs> oh, not to. 
Choose not to. My other neat pick was just that in a movie, like there's a lot of other fear things and anxiety things happening here. I like that for a moment they pause and kind of just throw in also a fear of performing in front of crowds at the very end when she's going on stage for the first time. Do I don't I don't mind crowds at all, but even like just the way that that happened, it was it freaked me out a little bit where she like looks through the peephole and there's just like a billion people and then she runs out there and there's just a billion people and you're like, oh, I didn't <laughs> get the sensation that she was frightened by that, though. She was I don't know if she was because she's a professional. I am not a professional. <laughs> oh, but the, the fact that you saw that there was a crowd is supposed to instill fear. Is that what you're I saying? I mean, in her face and her reaction, I think so. It did in me much. a little bit. I don't know if I was supposed to. Maybe I'm more afraid so of crowds you, than I so thought. So you do have a problem with crowds. I didn't even think uh, I guess about so, that. Yeah, this okay, movie awakens fun. something in me. Wow, you have a fear of okay, so you have a fear of public speaking or whatever. Sure, Natalie Portman's character okay. has a weird kind of horniness in this movie when she wakes up. I can't imagine just starting to jerk off without knowing who else was in the room. Like, why least, should anyone be in the room? Well, but even so, I'm not just going to immediately wake up and start jerking off. I'm going to like have a glance around the room, start like, oh, you know, do a stretch, do one of those numbers, start off my day, then jerk I was, off. I was trying to figure out how to make a joke about a weird kind of horniness versus a normal kind of horniness. But then I kind of realized, actually, this might be an interesting character trait on her part because she is portrayed as the super innocent person who has no sexuality until the beginning of the movie. Until so, the beginning. Dude, yeah. she just hasn't done this before. She's not used to the rules. She doesn't know. Like she, She's never fucked this up before because she's never done it she before. Doesn't know. So she doesn't have that Before instinct. you masturbate, check for parents. She doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't have like the pilot <laughs> readiness checklist. Where How like, old check, is she check, supposed clear, to check. be? How is she going to bars and drinking? She York definitely fan. doesn't have a fucking fake ID. I mean, she's very clearly over 21. Yeah. No, she's supposed to be 19 or 20 in this Okay, movie. well, then that's oh, a really? nitpick. Aronofsky has said that multiple times. Well, then he's got to explain the uh, going to the bar and drinking part. I don't know. Well, I mean, okay, in ID. that case, she doesn't have a two... fucking fake ID. She doesn't even know how to masturbate. She's a pretty girl in New York City. It's fine. They don't that's check. That's a better example. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. Jake, Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis show up, and they are professional dancers, and you're a bouncer, and they're like, oh, my God, we forgot our ID. You're going to be like, turn away, ladies. Oh, you know, I already said I got it. You don't got to do that. Jake might. Jake's like Ben, for our, that old bouncer who checked my grand, my 85-year-old grandpa's ID that time 10 Hi, years Jake. ago. Hi, Jake. Hi, Jack. How are your IDs today? It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, fuck, dude. You do this every fucking day. Christ. Yeah. Cut to of, Ben being like, hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> speaking of drinking, if you're going to get your drink on on like a Wednesday, set your alarms before you get too crunk. That's just a classic mistake that's a rookie maneuver yeah they're rookies <laughs> well mila kunis is not a rookie right and she got up and she was fine yeah mila kunis was not there oh, she's a rookie yeah might not have been drinking natalie portman's the nina's the rookie here that's where we're getting at i feel like but if you were nervous about it that's even more like even before going to the bar i don't mm-hmm. know man okay i fine, think kind nitpick. of a weird thing is that like she's not presented there's the small moments right where he's like oh like look at how she's feeling at the moment right like that's that trait is what you should go for in your portrayal of the black swan is what i get from toma or whatever his name is you but, got it right but how, however there's nothing about what mila kunis's ballerina character there's nothing about what she does that makes you think that she's a legitimate threat to usurp that yeah. role which is like the most sought after thing you can do it's like portrayed as a non-ballet person it's portrayed as the creme de la creme pinnacle of what you could do in that venue right she does fully sleep with the director that's one thing she could do to usurp the role however okay fine but 
aside from that, <laughs> I, that actually fits. Okay, you've answered the question. You've answered the nitpick, sir. Okay, good. That was my problem with it, though. You redact know what I mean? It, I just, just like meh. I, I redact it. I redact it, but it it was a little bit weird. And if that guy is that loose, then he doesn't care about his performances that much. And he seems so passionate that he wouldn't allow like sleeping with that person. He wouldn't allow that to destroy his performance. So I still have a nitpick. There's okay. a weird disconnect. Okay. Uh, when she's practicing by herself, like the night before their full performance, and she's got the piano player in the room with her. Is that like, Ned Schneebly? It's not Ned no, Schneebly. I think it's Ned Schneebly. It's definitely not Ned Schneebly. It's Ned Schneebly. I'll bet I'm you $100. I'm not betting you that, dude. I would I just also bet you $100. Get the fuck out of here. I'm uh, just going to look. But what it is, is a guy who God. she says, let's run it again. And he gets six seconds into the song before he's like, no, fuck it. That's too much. <laughs> this specific point in the song. Like, why would you even start? If you're that upset about it, you're either going to say, no, I'm not playing it again. Or you're gonna get through the song and be like, "I'm going home." That's the weirdest possible point to that just is stop. So not true. You've never had a breakdown like that where you started something and then like five seconds in, you're just like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope." This is nope. Uh, uh-uh, uh, not doing this. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck this. I'm going home. Don't practice too <laughs> might hard. Might have been Ned Schneebly. It might have been. Oh, it might have been Ned Schneebly. Except it wasn't. But it might have been. <laughs> It probably wasn't, but there's a chance. My last nitpick is about the erections. You already, talked, we about already talked about. I know because you jumped right to nitpicks immediately. So well, I wanted to. I wanted to that. get it out early. I wanted to know. Your last nitpick was the one you mentioned first. Yes. Jesus Christ. My notes go chronologically, Mark. That is later in the movie. How did erections the... come up last for you? Erections Be- are pervasive. It, it happened yeah. at the Mila end Kunis of the movie. Mila grabs the lead dancer's crotch at like ten seconds before he's about to go on stage. She's rubbing his dick. Yeah. And if Mila Kunis grabbed my dick and started rubbing that whole situation down, 10 seconds later, I got to run out on stage. I'm running out there with a wild boner. And cut to ratings. Well. We over at ADC Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think of right how good Paul is doing at this. Paul? <laughs> what? Paul? What? You have the good time. Shut up. I'm doing the best at this. And for 10, think about this local resident. We're going to rate how bright his socks are and how much of a Cleveland Browns fan he is. And I like to wear bright socks. I'm an avid Cleveland, Cleveland Browns fan. Stories. First guy can go to rate these movies. Uh, I picked it. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to give it a five for story. I'm going right down the middle. It's like, like we said, not a very story-driven movie. There's not a whole lot that happens, but it is really interesting look at like microcosms of this woman's life who's losing her mind. So I think it's hmm. it's really interesting, but it's overall not a plot-driven story, but it is well-written. So five. Jake, go. I don't see a lot of movies about ballet. That's interesting, at least. Okay. I mean, however that hits you. I, I do think that it's relatively like this is a descent into madness, but it's done through the lens of a ballerina, which is cool, but... It's not something holistically that we haven't seen before. It is a descent into madness, and it doesn't go wildly off the rails in that regard. So setting is part of the story, but ultimately I can't give it to you. I went with six and a half. Yep. Okay, Mark. Wow, I went higher. Uh, I Obviously. gave it a nine. That's <clears throat> rough. Whoa. I can... I Look, in as I was analyzing this, like I said, the first time I went into this, I didn't like it. Very much. It was fine. Whatever. It was a well-made movie. I went into it kind of trying to explain to myself why I didn't like it. And every time I did that, I just came up with liking it more and more. I tried to I tried to talk myself out of it, and somehow I couldn't. And what I landed on was that 
a f- the, there's a few things we'll get in we'll get into them over the next few categories but this is an expertly executed class on psychological horror with all the crazy shit happening in the background varying from regrettable cg effects all the way to like how goddamn i'm surprised it doesn't get more under your skin jack when natalie portman is walking down the street looking at her phone and then as she closes her phone she looks up sees someone who looks like her also closing her phone and then they walk by each other, and the other Natalie Portman doppelganger just like kind of glances at her and keeps walking. Or it when she's on the train, she looks it, she looks through the other train, and it this like isn't story. she sees herself. How does it that very, not scare you more? That absolutely scares me. We're not we're not in scare factor. Okay, so this that's what I'm saying. Story. Is this movie is really good at creating that psychological horror and that devolution as you move into this incredibly stressful scenario? It shows the. I, I don't know what I'm really trying to say here, but like, <laughs> I, I, I'm ra- I'm rambling at this point because it's kind of a hard thing to articulate. My point is, th- I I'm surprised you guys are saying that this is a not a plot driven movie because that is like all this. No, movies. I, I, I okay, I'm gonna offend myself for a second. I didn't say that, Jack did. Yeah, what I, I said I was that it's a relatively like we've seen it before. Someone is devolving into madness, but the setting in which it does it is ballet. Yeah, and I what don't think you were talking been... about is fucking like granular what is I would put somewhere else and that's fine we just treat these differently because it's perfect uh well okay yeah I guess we can put a pin in this because we're talking about the next category which we'll get to now yeah world building and immersion in a second category hey. I give it an eight for world building and immersion I think this builds a hell of a world right Natalie Portman's world in this seems absolutely tiny and like oppressive and inescapable but also everything that matters to her and then it's also super immersive for me like even the first time i watched it i wasn't as taken out by all this stuff like it sounds like you kind of were jake um i was just so on board from the first time those eyes moved in the background i was glued to the fucking screen figuring out everything that happened this is super immersive they build a really cool world it's an eight jake i went four and a half um Yeah, it. I I had a really hard time sticking with this one. Um, I I hear you, and it feels harsh because I understand the like class that is in this movie. Like I I get the chops, I see it all, but there's all of this stuff that subjectively doesn't hit me the right way. It's it's watching the struggle that this girl is having with her mother for a lot of the movie. It's watching her go to like. It's watching long dance sequences, which are impressive, but, like, not for me. It's watching Mila Kunis that actively takes me out of the movie, so it just (laughs) didn't do it for me. I get the world, and that's why it's not lower, but it's not a high score for me. It just didn't hit me the right way. Wow. Mark? I would probably have been in Jake's boat the first time I watched this. I've said that numerous times now. The crazy thing—this movie took me on a fucking journey. I went with an eight. Uh, I'm in the yeah. same boat as Jack. I gave this very high marks in both story and immersion. It's an immersive world. I give it. I mean, if I were just going off of off of immersion, it would have been a little bit lower. But you got to give it. I ended up giving it about a point and a half up tilt because of the world that it builds. Mark, you said and story sure. and immersion just a second ago. Did you mean world building and immersion? For sure. Okay. Yeah. And you know, like the interesting thing is that like Mark and I are wildly differing in our scores, but. Like, I don't hate the scores that you're giving. It sounds like you don't hate the scores that I'm giving. Yeah. You, I need, I'm going to have to watch this a second time. Subjective object. And, like, right? I'm not looking forward to it, but now that I know that the fiancé is like, oh, you didn't watch it with me, like, I'll watch it again and <laughs> see how it hits depression. me. You know, give it, give it some time. Be- like, between like two years, so. like, three years, ten don't years, Don't come whatever. back to it if you can, yeah. But if she's actively wanting to watch it, give it, you know, wait until, like, May. 
Oh, God. No, I'm at least waiting a year. It, it was about 10 years oh. in between. I'm at least waiting a year. I saw this in theaters in 2010. That's yeah, it, accurate. I saw this years. right after it came out, so I probably saw it in 2011. Give it that long. Be like, honey, I know you want to watch this with me, but we got to wait. Like, Remember that podcast we used to do? Fuck. Okay. <laughs> oh, now you may be sad. Uh, effects, nope. Uh, scare Factor is our third category, and I'm going to give it a seven for Scare Factor. This movie is Whoa, fucking okay. terrifying. I think it's Mark went lower. unsettling from the very start. I think especially the way that the camera is really disorienting and so close up on her like shoulders and head the whole time until it expands a little bit to show you a little bit more of her world when she kind of starts to branch out a little bit but then constricts right back onto her when she's kind of losing it yeah to say nothing of just the actual body horror elements that are terrifying the psychological horror elements that are terrifying and the just like weird shit that's like scary twilight zone stuff like seeing yourself walk down the street like mark said or seeing yourself in a mirror do something you didn't do this movie's fucking scary so it's a seven for me jake it's it's one thing when you see yourself walking down the street it's another thing when you see yourself and then you like continue to close yeah you're gonna walk right next to yourself and i don't know what's gonna happen yeah anything could happen right Yeah, waiting for that it's like fucking galaxies colliding or something i don't know yeah Sure, that made sense. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the Milky Way and the Andromeda. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. What I fully saying. don't know at this point. Shake. <laughs> we won't be here. It's, it's it's fine. I uh, this is a weird score to give twice in a row because I don't feel like I give it a ton, but I gave it this a four and a half for scare as well. Um, there are elements here. I, surprise body horror for me for sure, and I think that this is like a very good example. I, I would definitely, like, put this in the category of movies that you would say, like, this is the short list of, like, what you should go and check out for psychological horror. It's it's in that category. But psychological horror, if it's not doing something else, like, extremely well, or if it's not a certain type where this gets subjective again, like The Shining, it's a tough one for me to be like, that is just a... F- I am scared. Like, I think about this after, and I am, like, gone. Sure. So, four and a half... But I could see how you go higher. Yeah. So, Mark. Uh, yeah, I went actually the lowest of all of us. I gave it a two and a half. Psychological. That's two. Whoa. Psychological I- horror has a lot of mileage variance, right? I could under I understand Jack going as high as he did, and I can understand Jake going kind of like right in the middle. People are going to be all over the map. Most yeah, people we don't even fucking think this is a horror movie, and this gets back to the point that I got to earlier of like, it is interesting to see that if people aren't told that they're supposed to be afraid of it, that it doesn't elicit a fear response in them. And it was interesting to have this conversation with people at work who hate horror movies and can't sit down and watch anything that's scarier than, I don't know, like Hotel Transylvania. But they watched this one, and they were fine with it. They because didn't think the twice Academy about it. Academy liked like it. It's all marketing, man. The Academy liked it and shit. I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a psychological thriller. I mean, that like ultimately, the thing that I didn't say, too, is the thing that I said earlier a weird statement yep you get it <laughs> i the don't thing I, the thing that i didn't say here but i said earlier was that i walked out of this feeling more sad than scared yeah. I, that was more the feeling right yeah at the end of the day this is a a troubled woman right yeah that's all it is but there is it, exactly one scene that is like legit straight up scary jump scary horror hangnail typical horror trope and it's when after she kills or significantly maims Winona Ryder and Nita comes back to her apartment and she turns the lights on and Winona Ryder is standing in her kitchen. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, it's a good scare. And guess what? I forgot about it immediately. 
There's quite a few in here, though. There's a lot of really yeah. good ones. So, I think the know, mirror one was the mirror. Ones the mirror ones are good too, the but they're kind of CG heavy. We're kind of we're kind of proving Jack's point right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to effects or judicious lack thereof. It's a five for me. I think this movie does what it needs to do with the effects. I think it does. It's a really good use of sets. The music is absolutely in here, uh, but the like the from. Almost immediately when she has the dream about the the male black swan, whatever, like the big male bird guy, it's bad. That looks bad. And then like, when she turns hasn't in- had a dream about a big black male bird guy. <laughs> and then also like the uh, the scene where her legs bend backwards, that looks terrible to me. I don't think that looks. I don't good know, but at that all. was so surprising. <laughs> um. So so it's really it's doing what it needs to do, but it's certainly not excelling. So I'm hmm. giving it like a right down the middle score, Jake. I gave it an eight, man. Yeah, well, yeah, I gave it an eight. The, the the everything this movie does technically, like I I kind of have to pot it here. Like we talked about the score, the score is very good. We talked about costuming and sets and all that. It's very good. Cinematography doesn't necessarily fit here, so I'm not gonna like give it too much of a head nod at this point. But I, I think this movie looks and sounds fantastic if i have to think back on this and i'm assuming that if i do this exercise in a year the thing that i'm going to say this did that is going to bring me back to it is everything that i would put in this category and not the others so highest score i gave it's an eight fair enough mark i also gave it an eight uh i don't i don't really have much else to add here so i'll try and say the thing i mentioned i tried to say earlier in (laughs) the uh podcast nice never has a movie been more mise-en-scene than this Uh, so mise-en-scene dude so mise-en-scene for you it's it's oeuvre That's going to take us into overall. This is seven for me overall. It's a really great movie. Um, really, really well done, well made, technically really good. It's it's not without any flaws, but it's really, really good. It's a seven. Jake? Uh, I had a tough time with this category. Uh, it hit me the wrong way, but I can appreciate what it did, and I thought about it for a while and decided that it was stupid to keep thinking about it and gave up, and Andy Dalton it. I gave it a five and a half. Yeah. Well, it also doesn't hurt that my wife fucking loves this movie. So. Sure. Yeah, Mark. I gave it a seven. Uh, I think this is actually, weirdly, this numerically, this is a tilt up for me, but I called it a tilt down because of how high I had rated. <laughs> because of how much of a tilt strange. up you wanted yeah. to give it. Well, my point was like, my scare was two and a half, but this movie isn't one you watch to be scared, so I weighted that category less. The other three, I gave a nine and eight and an eight. So the fact that I'm giving this a seven seemed like it was going to be a tilt down, but numbers are a crazy thing. Um in any case, like, yep. this is an exceptionally well-made movie. It was better the second time around when I was able to kind of watch it, not necessarily as a ballet movie and more as a person who's just, like, set against a exceptionally stressful background who is having a breakdown. That part really worked for me, but still I kind of have to wait it a little bit in the sense that subjectively this is going to be a hard movie for a lot of people to jump into. So it's not as high as it should be. I gave it a 7. All right, it's going to take us into thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm giving this a hard thumbs up, I think, especially because a lot of people, maybe they're willing to watch it because it's not horror. But, man. That's true. Like, that's true. This is an easy one to recommend to a lot of different kinds of people. Um, it's, a, it's a big thumbs up for me. Jake? Uh, yeah, it's a thumbs up for me. I, I personally didn't love this movie. 
Uh, it hit me the wrong way. But you're happy you watched it, I think. Totally. And it makes me, hearing Mark, it makes me want to watch it again, but I need to give it a decade or so, apparently. Uh, so that's a whole thing. But yeah, like you just said, I mean, for this movie, the accessibility that it has because of the acclaim that it got, and that's in large part something that they set out for when they made this. Uh, it makes it a very easy recommend. It's also just flat out a, having seen it. It's a good example of psychological horror. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Like it is a good example. So I'd put it in that category. Yep, Mark. I would definitely give it a thumbs up. Yep, One of the interesting things we mentioned earlier was that it's a hard thing to sell when you're like horror and ballet. Like those, <laughs> draw me those two Venn right. diagrams. And an right? art house film. <laughs> yeah, and an art house film. Or art ballet. So, Yikes. So the weird thing is like it's hard to market but on the other side of that as far as recommendations like you have to fulfill one of those three things in order to be able to for me to recommend this to you if you like horror if you like ballet or if you like just kind of artsy fartsy shit this is an easy recommend and so you kind of get triple the mileage along for the ride it's better than overlapping the circles dude yeah for sure separate you got to keep them separated (laughs) (laughs) we already did the song break that's yeah, fine. I, that's why I had to do it myself, you know? That was very clearly a song that he was singing. <laughs> and not just a horrible noise that we had to <laughs> yeah. endure. If you could go ahead and isolate his vocals and play it again right here so that we can hey, appreciate Jack. the musicality of I'll it. I'll slow it down, Hey, too. Jack, do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? No. Okay. <laughs> get us the fuck out of here. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, let's get out. This has been episode 168 of the A to Z Whorecast. To check out everything we have going on, head on over to A to Z Whore.com or come hang out with us on any of our social media channels. Those are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They're right down there in the description below. Links, that is. Uh, and as Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, if you're still here hanging out with us and you like what we have going on, you might want to consider becoming a Patreon member. We have lots of extra cool shit that's going on over there on Patreon. If that's not your thing, if that's not what you're into, can't swing the money right now, that's cool too. Where you're just happy you're here hanging out with us still in the 11th hour of this podcast. We're going to keep making the same great content, no worries there. As always, the music has been coming at you from Super Bear. There are links down there in the description below as well. And next week, we're going to take an interesting little transition. We'll see why next week into a movie that is a, I believe, it's a Mark pick, right? Mark pick. It's Repulsion, and that's coming at you next week. And we'll see you then. Until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some horror movies. Have a great week, everybody. Have have you ever been to a ballet where one of the male dancers has had a visible erection?